Welcome to the Riverside Church Podcast. We hope today's message encourages you and strengthens your walk with God. Enjoy the message. Uh, We're going to be speaking out of Acts chapter 5, verse 1 through 11. Acts chapter 5, verse 1 through 11. Um, This is at the beginning of our church. This is the early church um, being birthed out in Acts chapter 5. This is the early years of it. Because since Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit came upon the world and gave birth to the church, gave gave birth to the body of Christ, uh, uh, what happened is that the church began to to turn the world upside down. And there was miracles, signs, wonders, salvations, baptisms. I'm telling you, nothing has ever seen like what the body of Christ has been doing in the earth. And so the early church was was really an exciting, it was really something new, never before seen um, by the world to that point. And so when the early church, when it was just starting out, I mean, everybody wanted to be a part of it. Everybody wanted to be part of the early church because they saw the miracles, they saw the signs, they saw the wonders. And it actually says in Scripture that people were so sold out to the church that they sold everything that they had. They were so sold out to the church, they sold everything that they have and gave it to the church and said, I'm just going to follow after God. And they were so wanting to be a part of this movement called the church. And this is where we um, pick up in Acts chapter 5, verse 1, where it says this. said, but there was a certain man named Ananias who, with his wife Sapphira, sold some property. And he brought part of the money to the apostles, claiming it was the full amount. And with his wife's consent, I think it's funny because he asked his wife. He just didn't do this alone. I mean, at least he did that. But he said, with his wife's consent, he kept the rest. So this couple saw, you know, the the excitement. They saw how everybody was being sold out for the church and selling everything they had. And so they wanted to be a part of it. So they sold their property, and they were going to give it to the church. But the last second, it says they held some for themselves. But they told the church they were were giving their all. And that's what the couple was doing. And in verse 3, then Peter said, Ananias, why have you let Satan fill your heart? You lied to the Holy Spirit. Mm, It gets me every time I read that. And you kept some of the money for yourself. The property was yours to sell or not sell as you wished. And after selling it, the money was also yours to give away. How could you do a thing like this? You weren't lying to us, but lying to God. And as soon as Ananias heard these words, it says he fell to the floor and died. And everyone heard about it and was terrified. Verse 6, and some young man got up, wrapped him in a sheet, and took him out and buried him. About three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter asked her, was this the price you and your husband received for your land? Yes, she replied, that was the price. And Peter said, how could the two of you even think of conspiring to test the spirit of the Lord like this? The young man had, who had buried your husband are just outside the door, and they will carry you out too. Instantly, she fell to the floor and died. And when the young men came in and saw that she was dead, they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. And great fear gripped the entire church and everyone else who heard what had happened. Now, I want you, Chad, to put the title for tonight's message in the chat. Put no holding back. Church family who's in the building say no holding back. That's the title for tonight. That's what we're going to be talking about. But before we move forward, let's pray together. Father, we thank you 
for gathering us both, both in person and online. Father, we gather under this moment to go closer to your son. Father, so let us uh, move forward with open minds and soft hearts as we're ready to receive, God, from your Holy Spirit. Father, we, are, we just want to grow closer to you. So we thank you for miracles, signs, and wonders taking place. We thank you, Father, for people in their, in their houses right now. They might be filled with worry, but because of the word of God, that they're going to be filled with joy and peace, knowing that they have promises and purpose in their life. So, Father, we give you all the glory. We give you all the praise. And we thank you that we're able to have church tonight. Come on, if you're excited for church, why don't you put your hands together. Why don't you put some hand clap emojis in the chat. And let's get to business. Did you know that our minds are programmed to not do anything they're not comfortable with? Did you know that? Have you ever wondered like why it's so hard for you to try something new? Like chat, have you ever, ever thought like have you ever thought like why is it so hard to try something new? Cuz your mind is literally programmed to tell you, "Hey, okay, like the, your mind, when you're doing something new, your mind's like trying to find um, some like files and memories about what you're about to do and then realizes, hey, you never done this before. And so your mind is saying, danger, danger, danger. You're stepping outside your comfort zone. We don't know what's going to happen when you do this. And so that's why it's so hard to do new things and try to uh, step outside what you're comfortable with because your mind is literally fighting you, telling you to stay where you're at, stay where you know what's going to happen, stay in your comfort zone. Ananias and Sapphira, they were so excited about joining this movement called the church and, and dedicating their life to Jesus and, and selling all this, their property and to, and to give it to the church. And I can just see them now how, how Ananias and Sapphira, they were so excited to go all out for Jesus and they were about to give it all to the church, but then they started to feel uncomfortable. Then they began to say, well, well what, if, what if this whole Jesus thing doesn't work out? What if this whole church movement, what if it's this a, a phase and it, and it fades away? And so they began to think that to themselves, and they got uncomfortable with the fact of giving all that they had to the church. And so they kept some for themselves. They wanted a plan B in their lives because they didn't want to step outside of their comfort zone. And they tried to ha hold it for themselves, and they thought, they thought they were holding it as a secret. They thought that God wouldn't notice the, the issues in your heart. Let me tell you something, church. You might be able to fool man. You're never going to fool God. God knows the position of our hearts. And some of us, we can look like Ananias and Sapphira sometimes where we say, God, I'm all sold out for you. God, I've so, I'm, I'm all sold. I'm all in. But we're holding things back in secrets. We're holding things back, hoping that God doesn't see, hoping that, hoping that, the, that it won't be called out, thinking you're telling people, yeah, I'm going all out, but we're holding back some things from God. Well, it would be faith or, or belief. We're, we're holding things back from God because it's uncomfortable uh, to go all out. But see, we think by doing that that we're playing it safe because that's what our mind is telling you, that, hey, if you stay in your comfort zone, you're playing it safe, when in reality we're playing it scared. But we were not called to be a scared church you and i chat you and i we were not called to be a scared follower of jesus we we're called to go all out on the name of jesus we we're called to be committed to the name of jesus i don't want to get to heaven and then me get to the pearly gates and jesus looks up to me and says welcome and he says but i had so much more for you back on earth but because you chose to hold things back from me, I wasn't able to trust with everything I have for you. I don't want that to be when I get to heaven. I want when I get to heaven for Jesus to say, well done, my good and faithful servant, because you didn't hold nothing back from my name. 
We're not called to be a scared church. We're not called to be scared followers of Jesus. So tonight, what we're going to do is go over three things that we need to give up to Jesus that we are holding back from him. Are you all ready, church? Chat, are you ready, chat? Are you ready? Let's get into it. The first scripture we're going to look at is Matthew chapter 26, uh, verse 39. Matthew chapter 26, verse 39. This is uh, Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Uh, he is thinking about Calvary in this moment. He's thinking about the price that is about to be paid for your and I's sins. He's, he's thinking about the beatings. He's thinking about the bruisings. He's thinking about all the things that are going to happen to him over the next few days. Let me tell you some church, Jesus knew what exactly was going to happen to him on the cross. He didn't go into the cross not knowing what was going to happen. He knew the price that was going to be paid, yet he still thought we were worth it. Is anybody thankful for Jesus in the house? Anybody thankful for Jesus in the chat that he thought you and I were worth it? He's in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he's thinking about all these things, and this is what he's praying in verse 39. It says, he went on a little farther and bowed, his, bowed with his face to the ground, praying, my father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine, not mine. Even Jesus knew that if he wanted the fullness of his purpose to take place, he was going to have to give up his control. He was going to have to give up his will. The first thing that you and I, we need to give up to God for us to not be holding anything back from him is that we have to give up our control. Put in the chat right now, put give up control. Give up control. That's the first thing we have to give up if we're going to step into everything that God has for us. Why? Because when we give up our control, that is the ultimate sign of trust. When you give up your control and you give it over to God, what you're telling God is that I, I trust your will way more than I trust my will. I trust how you're going to do things way more than how I'm going to do things. I got married. He and I got married uh, about February of last year, 2020. Oh, well, close to a year and a half now. Thank you, my praise section. Close to a year and a half now. And I knew Haley was a good cook. I always knew that. But when we got married, man, the full realization came fully. And when we first got married, I might, like, check on the meals, like, check what she's doing when she's cooking, like, look good and make sure she's, sure she's doing things right. But now I'm to the point where I trust her. And it, when she says what's for dinner, I don't even question it because I know that what she makes is going to be good because I trust my wife's cooking. And I know that she does way better than me. So I give her full control. See, when we give Jesus full control, that's a sign of trust, of saying you can do life way better than I can do life. You can love people way better than I can love people. God, work through me. I give you control. It's the ultimate sign of trust. The second thing that does when you give up control, what you also do in your life is you're removing all the limits that was over it. Imagine trying to operate your life in the finite position of human power, your will, your understanding. Imagine trying to operate your life like that and, and having access to an unlimited God, but yet you're preferring to use a finite mind like you and I's and understanding like ours to operate our lives. That is a limited life. 
But when you give control up to God, what you're doing, chat, is you're taking all those limits off your life, and you're about to see blessings be poured, promises happen, things beyond your dreams and understanding, because now you've gotten out of the way of God's plan, because now you're saying, God, you're in control, not me. You're in control, not me. The quickest way to miss out on your calling is to try and take control of it. I'll say that again. The quickest way to miss out on your calling is to try and take control of it. See, some of us, we try to take control of what God has called us to do, and we're just going to mess it up. We try to take control of where we think we've not got to do or we think God has taken us. And what happens? When we take control, we lose control. But when we give God control of our lives, I'm telling you, you're going to see every blessing and calling and purpose come into fruition like that because the goodness of God is yes and amen. And when you give him the control, that's when you're going to see the fruition of it. If you believe that, give Jesus a hand clap chat. Put that hand clap emoji or say amen. Takes the limits off your life when you give God control. Jesus says it like this in Matthew chapter 16, verse 25. He says, if you hang on to your life, if you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. The key word there is for my sake. <laughs> There's a lot of people who lose their life, but they don't do, don't do it for Jesus' sake. They do it for their own sake. But it says, if you lose your life for my sake, you will save it. What he is trying to say is that if you try to take control of your life, you're going to lose it. If you try to take control of your happiness, you're going to lose your happiness. If you try to take control of your joy, you're going to lose your joy. If you try to take control of your purpose, you're going to lose your purpose. But guess what? Here's the awesome thing. If we just give it to God, we're going to see every fruit of it come into formation in our life. We just got to give it to God. If we say, God, I give you control, take off the limits of my life. I'm going to trust you with everything. We're going to see everything that God has for us come into fruition. So the question is for tonight is what are we holding on to? What are we trying to control that we're holding back from God that we need to let go? What is that relationship that you're holding on to that you don't fully trust God with yet? You know, sometimes we, 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 we trust God with some things, but not all things. Like, what are the things that we are trying to control that we think is keeping us safe, but really it's keeping us back from what God wants for us? So what are those things? Ask yourself right now, God, what are the things I am holding on to that I'm trying to take control of that I am making go out of control of my life just because I think I can do it better than you? What are the relationships we need to let go of? And give to God. What, what, what are the ideas, the dreams? What are some bitterness we need to let go of? Ask yourself that tonight. God, what am I holding on to? Is it anger? Is it unforgiveness? What am I holding on to that I won't let you take control of? And that I'm losing control of my life because I'm doing that. Ask yourself that. Ask yourself that. Because the whole point for tonight, the whole message tonight, I'm going to say it one more time, is no holding back. No holding back. I want to live a life where I'm not holding nothing back from Jesus. I want to live a life where I'm not holding anything back. So ask yourself, God, what am I holding back from you? What am I trying to take control of that is really crippling my calling just because I'm trying to control it? No, God, I want to give you my all. What am I holding back? Turn to your neighbor and say, no holding back. Put in the chat, put in the chat, put no more holding back. Second scripture we're going to look at is Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 6 through 7. In Deuteronomy 1, um, the Israelites, they are at Mount Sinai. Now, Mount Sinai is uh, where they have camped out. That's where they got the Ten Commandments. I mean, they were 
Israelites are really having a fun time in Mount Sinai because they're seeing like the, like the, the presence of God on that mountain. They're getting uh, the plants and this. And, and, but it got to the point where the Israelites were getting comfortable on Mount Sinai. And as we know, the Israelites were not called to settle in Mount Sinai, but the promised land. But sometimes what can happen is that we settle for mountains and not God's plans, and we, we stay there. But this is what God tells them in Deuteronomy 1, verse 6 through 7. This is what he says. And he, this, he says, when we were at Mount Sinai, the Lord our God said to us, you have stayed at this mountain long enough. It is time to break camp and move on. Everybody say move on. It's time to break camp and move on. See, Mount Sinai is where they received their plans, but Mount Sinai wasn't their promise. Mount Sinai was where they received direction, but Mount Sinai isn't, wasn't their final destination. It was the promised land. But it says that the Israelites, they were encamping themselves uh, at, Mount, at Mount Sinai because they were getting comfortable with it. The second thing that we have to give up to God is that we have to give up our comfort. Everybody say, give up our comfort. In the chat, put give up our comfort. We have to give up our comfort because the Israelites, they were getting comfortable on Mount Sinai. That's where they received the Ten Commandments. That's where they received the plans for, for the tabernacle. That's, that's where they, they knew God was at, and they, they, they were getting comfortable. The same thing can happen to us is that we will get comfortable on top of the mountain and think that that is where God called us to stay. And we get comfortable there. And we, and we think that that's, that's where we're supposed to stay forever. When God is calling us to greater things, we get comfortable there. But here's what I know about God's calling is that it is never inside your comfort zone. God's calling is never going to take place inside your comfort zone. To be honest with you, your comfort zone is where your calling will fade away. Some of us will stay in our comfort zone for so long that our calling begins to fade away. And we don't even remember what we're called to. Because we've been comfortable for so long. Well, we forget about the dreams that was inside of us. We forget about the ideas that God gave us. We forget about the plans that God had for us. Because we've been in our comfort zone for so long that our calling has faded away. That's the danger of our comfort zone. See, that's the place. Not where callings are found. That's where callings go to die. The comfort zone is not the place for your calling. But see, if the Hebrews, if they would have stayed on Mount Sinai, they would have never made it to the promised land. If you are going to stay in your comfort zone, you're never going to make it to your promised land. You're never going to make it to where God's called you to be. You have to step outside of your comfort zone. But here's the tough thing. The enemy will try to convince you that your comfort zone, what you find to be comfortable, is better than your calling. The enemy will tell you, hey, doesn't it feel cozy right now? Don't you feel safe right now? Like, doesn't the bank account look good right now? You don't have to start tithing. I mean, no, that's going to miss things. Hey, doesn't the big, like, you don't, you don't have to start that, that business because, you know, isn't things, aren't things going good right now? And you'll begin to think that your comfort zone is better than your calling, and you'll get confused. And the enemy knows that he's winning you because he sees that you're staying in the same place. He sees that you're not willing to step out by faith. He sees that you're just saying you're, you're satisfied with old mountaintops. Even though God has greater things for you because you're comfortable, you think it's better than your calling. You see, Ananias and Sapphira, they, they, they wanted all. They, they, they wanted to be a part and give their all to Jesus. But that, that idea of stepping out their comfort zone was too much. See, we, we can think that being comfortable is the same as God's peace. 
If I get it all the time, people will say, look, you know, things are comfortable right now. Things are going well right now. Uh, things are, 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 nothing's happening against me right now. This is what God's peace must feel like. You know, nothing's going wrong. I have no problems. This must be God's peace. And that is one of the biggest lies the enemy can tell you. Because God's peace is another thing that doesn't take place in your comfort zone. It says that he sends his peace to comfort us. So why would God send his peace if you're already comfortable? See, God's true peace takes place outside of your comfort zone. Because let me give you an example. True peace from God is when you're outside of your comfort zone, when things are around you are coming against you, when you got problems and ideas and people and opinions coming against you, but for some reason you got peace. Even though the world is panicking, even though there's all these problems, even though it feels like the world is falling apart and you feel like you said, I should be so filled with panic, but for some reason I'm filled with peace because of the name of Jesus, that's God's peace. God's peace isn't your comfort zone. Don't let the enemy confuse you and think your comfort zone is, is God's calling and God's peace in your life. It's not. You're going to end up in your comfort zone for years and look back and notice you haven't accomplished anything that God called you to accomplish because you were satisfied with your comfort zone. Don't be satisfied with your comfort zone. Your calling is so much more worth it. It's going to be so much more awesome. I mean, when you step out, is there any believers in the house or in the chat who have witness? To know that when you decide to take that step of faith and put your trust in God and say, God, I give my comfort up to you because you are my comforter, not the things of the world, not money, not people, not ideas. You are my comforter, Jesus. So I'm going to step out my comfort zone knowing that you're going to protect me every step of the way. If there's any witnesses in the house, you will know that's when the greatest things take place in your life. When you step outside your comfort zone into the calling that Jesus has for you. See, to be all out for Jesus, to be all out for Jesus is when you step outside your comfort zone and unlike Ananias and Sapphira did, you say, you know what, God, there is no plan B, you're my plan. God, there is no backup, there is no safety net, there is no, hey, if Jesus doesn't work out, that's okay because I got this or that. Or that. No, no, Jesus, you're all I have and you're all I got. That's an uncomfortable feeling sometimes, but that's the safest place you could be at. It's uncomfortable to go out on Jesus, but I'm telling you, that's the most powerful place you can be at. Sometimes, it, man, it can be scary, but that's the safest place to be at in your life is to be all in the hands of Jesus. Not just a little bit, not just some of it, but all out for Jesus. You're saying, God, you are my plan A, B, C, and D, all the way to Z. God, I, you are all the plans I have. That is the safest place you can be at in your life. Say, God, I'm all out for you. I'm not holding anything back. I'm not holding anything back because I know the more I hold back, the, the, the more I, I take step backs and I'm, I'm, I'm like, no, God, I want to go all out for you, Jesus. I'm not holding anything back. Man, if tonight's a night to make up your mind about Jesus, that's, that is this night. I know we're watching online, only there's a few in the building, but tonight is that night. You say, God, I'm not holding anything back no more. I'm not. I, I, I know now that if I hold anything back, Man, I'm, I'm, I'm just holding myself back. But God, I want to go all out for you, Jesus. And I'm not going to let the world or people or opinions convince me to hold things back from you. I want to go all out for Jesus. In Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11, it says, Yet God has made everything beautiful for its own time. Everybody say time. 
He has planted eternity in the human heart. But even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. From beginning to end. See, the thing that we struggle with the most sometimes is God's timing. It's how God does it all. We think that we have to be in control of that, and, and we have to see how A, B, C, and D is going to work out. and got to make sure how everything. We gotta, sometimes we think that we have to see how God's plan is going to work into fruition. That's not how God works. If you're waiting to see God's full plan come into an understanding in your mind, you're going to be waiting for the rest of your life. It says that God's ways are higher than our ways. His understanding is higher than understanding. We're not meant to understand the fullness of God, or else if we did, then we would be God. Well, we're not God. That's why we have to have a relationship with him, and that's where faith steps in. When we say, God, I don't know how this is going to work out, but I trust that you're going to work it out. The third thing that we have to give up is our conclusion. Everybody say conclusion. In the chat, say, give up your conclusion. What I mean by that is that you need to give up these things and timing and how you think everything's going to end, these plans that you have in your mind, these, these dreams that you say, hey, I'm going to do A, B, C, D, and E, and then I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that, and five years, I'm going to do this, and 10 years, I'm gonna do that. I need you to give up your conclusion right now and give that to God. Because if you think that you know how everything's going to work out, if you have everything planned out in your head and you think that that is God's plans for your life, it's not. <laughs> Because it's said in that scripture that you have no idea about his ideas. You have no understanding about his understanding. So if you can understand God's plan for your life, then it's not God's plan. Because they want to take faith to walk out a plan that you know how it's all going to work out. But when you see a plan and you don't know God, say, God, I don't know how you're going to make this happen, but I trust you anyways. I'm not going to let me not knowing and not understanding and not knowing the conclusion of all this hold me back from stepping into my calling. I'm going to give up my conclusion to you. I'm going to give up my plans to you. I'm going to give up how all of this is going to work out to you, God, because I trust you're going to work it all out. See, some of us, we have been chasing this. We've been chasing our plans. We've been chasing how step one, two, and three is going to work out. And we, and we just thank God. And we're, we're chasing after all of our own things, thinking it's the will of God, when really it's just our own conclusion. God's calling us over here, but we're, we're chasing over here. And we're thinking that we're doing things. God, God's plan in your life is something that not, you're not chasing and you're not going to see. You're not going to see this. All you're going to see, can I tell you how God's plans work, how God's will in your life works? He doesn't show you step one, two, three, four, five, and six. And then he explains and sits you down and says, okay, and when you get to plan six, this is going to happen. But don't worry. Okay, I told you. But you're going to learn this. And then plan seven, that, that's going to happen. Step nine. And step eight, this is like he doesn't say that. He said, hey, you're step one. Now take step one. And when you take step one, I'll tell you where step two is. Don't you worry about step two. All right? Just take step one, and then I'll show you step two. And after step two, I'll show you step three. He doesn't tell you all the steps, 100 steps to take. He just say, hey, take this step, follow after me, trust me, and I will lead you where you're going. We have to have that faith. So, God, I'm going to follow after you. Even if I don't know how it's going to work out, even if I don't know what tomorrow holds, I mean, if there's a grip that the enemy has in some of our minds, it's the fear of the future, the fear of tomorrow, the fear of how is this going to end up? Who am I going to end up with? How is this going to happen? How is that? All this fear and say, how, 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 how? And God said, hey, you're worried about the how. You haven't even taken step one yet. Take step one yet. Take step two. Take this day. Then take tomorrow. Then the next day. Then the next day. And guess what? Your future is going to be exactly where God wants you to be. 
But if you focus on five years from now, if you focus on tomorrow and you forget about today, you're not going to be doing right now what God wants you to do. Just focus on the next step. Take that step. Focus on today. Take today. And then wake up in the morning and say, God, what do you want me to do next? Take that then and wake up the next morning. Hey, what do you want me to do next? Keep on doing that. And you won't have to worry about where five years is from then. You don't have to worry about if you're in God's will from five years from now. If you take it day by day, God's going to take you exactly where you want to be in your future. So where I, I just want to remove right now the fear of the future from our minds. Because the enemy has us frozen because we're fearful about tomorrow. We're fearful how it's all going to work out. We're fearful because, God, how are you going to work this out? I know, God, you called me to start this. I know, you God, you called me to do that. But how are you going to work out the money? How are you going to work out the plans? I don't got that education. I don't have the experience. And God's just saying, hey, look, just take step one and step two up here. Just take, and then take that step and step through. God just wants you to trust him more than, you, than your understanding can even provide you. Say, God, you go beyond my understanding, so I don't have to worry about understanding it. I just have to worry about following after you. Does anybody hear what I'm saying tonight? You hear what I'm saying in, in, in the chat? We have to follow after Jesus. We, we can't hold anything back from his name. It's the outcome. We, we get so worried about how is, what's the outcome. How is everything going to end? The outcome is not your responsibility. The outcome is, is, is not your responsibility. It's God's responsibility. So if you worry about how the outcome's going to end, if you think it's going to be in your, in your control, no, it's in God's hands. Say, God, I trust you with the outcome of this situation. I trust you how everything's going to work out. I give up my conclusion to you. I'm not holding that back anymore. I mean, some of us need to give our dreams to God because we have these dreams and these future ideas that we're holding on so tightly, and we, and we hold on so tightly that we forget that we have to let it go to God. And God will make those things happen if it's in his will for it to happen. We have to give it to God, give up our conclusion, give up everything to him if we're going to see everything that he has for us. Church family in the building, you can stand, chat. If you're in your living room, bathroom, wherever you are, stand to your feet in this moment as I close. I want to close with verse Mark chapter 10, verse 45. Now, Jesus, he... Uh, Jesus came to this world 2,000 years ago, over 2,000 years ago. God came in flesh, and he lived a blameless life. He, he, he lived a life that nobody's ever lived before, and he, he had miracle signs and wonders follow after him, and the Spirit of God rested on his shoulders, and he, and he resurrected the dead. He healed the blind. He made the lame walk, and then that the man who didn't, the only man in history who didn't deserve death took on death because of you and I and took on our sins and bore Calvary and, and took on the cross, and, and, and he took on the beatings and the bruising and the whippings and, and, and the pain, and he went on to that cross thinking about you and I the whole time, and he took the spear in his side, he took the nails in his hands, and he gave up his spirit for you and I. And he went down to the depths of hell, but that's not where the story ends. And he took the keys from the enemy, and he came back up, and he was resurrected on the third day, and his spirit resurrected him. But watch what it says in, in Mark 10, verse 45. He says, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others. And to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus did not hold anything back. Jesus lived a life where he gave his all.
quite literally gave his all for you and I. Jesus gave his all for you and I. I want to close this with this thought. Don't hold anything back from Jesus because he didn't hold anything back from you. Don't hold anything back from Jesus because he didn't hold anything back from you. Why does Jesus deserve your all? Why does Jesus deserve you giving your all to him? Why? Because he gave his all to you first. He went on the cross for you. He died for you. He didn't deserve death. He didn't deserve all that happened to him. He was the only man in history who didn't deserve it. But he took it on for you and I. He gave his all for us. So the very least we can do is give our all back to him. And here's the awesome thing. Is that when we give our all to Jesus, the promises, the blessings that he has for us will go beyond your expectation. Will go beyond your dreams. Will go beyond anything that you thought was possible. All because you put your trust in Jesus. I want us to leave this place tonight, church. I want us to exit this chat tonight, church, this stream, with us knowing in our minds that we're not going to hold anything back from Jesus. Knowing in our minds, knowing in our hearts that I'm giving my all to Jesus. I'm not holding anything back from him any longer. I'm not holding on to the things in this world any longer. I'm not holding on to my insecurities any longer or fears. No, I'm giving it all up to you, Jesus. I'm not holding anything back. Because Jesus didn't hold anything back from me. We're going to sing a song in a little bit. But right now, with every head bowed and eyes closed, and those watching online, just bow your heads, close your eyes right now, because I want to pray. I want to pray that we have the faith to give it all up to Jesus. I want to pray right now that the God's Spirit is going to begin to give us the unction. It's going to give us the, the pushing, God. I pray right now for your anointing taking over us right now, Father, that we come to realization that I'm not holding anything back from your name. I'm not holding anything back from you no longer, Jesus. I want to go all out for you. I want to be not a follower of Christ that lives a life scared, but a father that lives a life in the fullness thereof because we don't want to hold anything back from you we want to make sure that we take every step and that step is filled with your spirit going all out for your name so father right now god we let go of that fear we let go of that that comfort father we give it up to you god right now father we give up those relationships god we give up those ideas god we give up everything unto you father we're not holding anything back no longer Right now, Holy Spirit, begin to remind us, begin to tell us, what are we holding on to? What are we holding back that's keeping us outside of all the things that God has for us? Father, tell us what that is, Holy Spirit, so that way we can repent and let go. That way we can say, Father, I'm sorry that I was holding that on for myself for selfish reasons, but right now, God, I let that go. Somebody say, I let go. I let that go right now. I let go of those relationships. I let go, Father, of those fears, insecurities, the fear of the future, Father. I let it go. I'm sorry for thinking that I had a better understanding than you. I'm sorry for thinking that my plans were better than your plans, God. But I let that go. I'm not holding anything back, and I give it unto you, Jesus. To Jesus. To Jesus. To Jesus. To Jesus.
Thank you for listening to today's message. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe and share it with a friend. For more information about who we are, visit riversidechurchtx.com.